Welcome to Daily Audio Bible Chronological. Today's the ninth day of December, and I'm Jill. It's so great to be here with you as we are journeying through the Word in chronological order. We do it every day, and we're doing it until we wind our way through this entire year and through the entire book of the Bible. What a journey it's been. I'm so thrilled, really, truly, that you are here. However you got here, however you found your way here, and I love those stories too, to hear how you found the journey of the Daily Audio Bible. That's always a story in itself, let alone what the Bible has done. Uh, But however you made your way here, I'm so glad and I hope and pray that you have opened yourself up for God to speak to you through his word and just knowing the voice of your father really it really changes things it changes our outlook on life it changes how we view people how we interact with people and it changes our perception of who God is so we're going to do that again today and invite him in to speak and invite him in to change. Today we're reading Romans chapters 8 through 10, and this week we are reading in the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us, by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. 
For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. 
And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed His glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them His law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping Him and receiving His wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and Christ Himself was an Israelite as far as His human nature is concerned. And He is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. In the words of the scriptures, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Are we saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. Well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, 
He is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, Those who were not my people, I will now call my people, and I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, You are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, Though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. And Isaiah said the same thing in another place. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of our children, we would have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like Gomorrah. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in Him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when He said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law, for Christ has always accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in Him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart, Who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, Who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says, The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jews and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about it? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. 
But not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And later Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long, I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. So let's just find some comfort in the reading immediately today, the very first thing we hear. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you want to just let out an exhale right now, you can. If you belong to Christ Jesus because you believe, as we read later <laughs> in the reading, uh, then you are his. And if you are his, then there is no condemnation, period. End of story. No matter who condemns you, Christ does not. That's really powerful. That's really comforting today. That's very freeing, and that might be confusing if you've been condemned, especially by a fellow believer. We might condemn each other, but just know Christ does not. And there is a distinct difference between conviction, which the Holy Spirit does do, we know that, but conviction is not the same thing as condemnation. Conviction lovingly teaches. Condemnation, I guess it can be different things for different people, but condemnation comes with a tone of a, a condescending, like a belittling, a degrading, talk down. It probably calls you a few names in the mix, but I always think conviction lovingly leads you to a place of repentance. It shows you where you tripped up and often shows you an alternative of how you could have done it better. My 10-year-old son can so many times lovingly be the voice of conviction in my life uh, where I will tell him something and he'll just look at me and put his hands up and say, but do you have to say it in that tone of voice? And we just had a discussion the other day where I said, Tell me what you're hearing because i that's not the intent of my heart to say it that way. And he lovingly and gently with his mama's heart said, you just don't have to say it that loud to me. And I took a breath, took a pause and said, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. I, I get 
passionate and I let my passion rule my tone sometime. And I didn't realize he was taking my passion probably at a volume it didn't need to be uh, as a voice that wasn't pleasing in his ear. That felt like conviction to me. That felt like the voice of a compassionate person who was just letting you know this is what you did and it made me feel this way and then allows an explanation to work through it. But had he not told me, I would not be able to catch myself the next time my passion or my redheadedness <laughs> would take over. And so I thanked him for telling me so that I can be mindful next time that tone makes him feel a certain way. So I don't need to say it in that tone. I can choose a different way. And so we're working on it. We're working on it. Always, forever working on it. And then we move down uh, later in the eighth chapter where I, I think I quoted it yesterday, got a little ahead of myself. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. <sighs> when I read this, two things happen inside of me. I find again great comfort. I exhale in the loving, safe arms of the Almighty, the one who created me and knit me together in Marvie's womb. There is nothing that can separate me. There's nothing that I can do that would cause him to take his love from me. That's the first and most important thing that it does for me. It offers me comfort and safety. And the second most important thing that it does is it causes me to realize I have no power and I would only be doing an injustice to the word of God by telling someone that something they're doing that I disagree with is causing God to withhold his love from them. I don't even know how to follow that up. When I think of the weight of the words from my mouth to let someone know what is keeping them as a person, as a son or as a daughter from the insurmountable, unfathomable love of God I feel the weight. It's bending my back over. It's sort of crushing me to the ground. And yet, sadly, I hear it in conversations. I see it played out on social media. I hear it from the lips of bleeding hearts 
because good-meaning people that love God felt the need to let people know that what is displeasing to them could keep them from the Almighty God. Let us all feel the weight of that today. Father, we thank you for these words today. The simple but profound reminders that begin our reading today. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And that nothing, nothing can separate us from your love. How how we need those reminders every day of our lives. We need them for ourselves, which means other people must need the same reminders. Let us be a reminder and not a resounding gong, not a voice of hatred to those that we may disagree with or, or whatever the case may be. Let us remind people, point people, that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And through that, we know there is no condemnation from you, by you, in you, and that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we will do, nothing will separate us from your love. Thank you for that. May we feel the weight of those words that we need for ourselves and that we need to display in action through our lives to a world in need. We pray this now all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Daily Audio Bible is home base. Check it out if you have not. Take a look around if you would like to partner with the Daily Audio Bible. Thank you so much for every partnership. We could not do this without you and we are so grateful that we do not have to. If you are giving by mail, D-A-B-P-O Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee 37174 or if you are utilizing the mobile app, Hit the give icon up at the top right hand corner of that app. Lastly, if you're looking for ways to give on the website, just look for the give icon and you can click that. If you need prayer, if you'd like to pray for someone that's previously called in several different ways for you to do that, 800-583-2164 or once again, utilizing the mobile app, hit the red circle button up at the top right hand corner. You have two minutes on the prayer line. Hit submit, turn the wheel to chronological, and it will get to the right place. That's going to do it for me today. We're winding our week down together as we are winding down the month, but ultimately we are winding down this time where we will accomplish and finish going through the Bible in chronological order together in a year. What an amazing accomplishment that will be. I'm Jill. We'll turn the page together tomorrow. Until then, love one another. Hello, hello. This is Walking in Truth from Florida, and I have a big prayer request for two dear, dear friends of mine. 
um, they have been estranged from their two sons for over 20 years now. Uh, because when their sons were around 19 and 20 years old, they got involved in a cult uh, that told them they needed to sever all ties with their family and uh, encouraged them to move away and move with them and uh, make them their new family. And um, they have not had contact with them for 20 years. And they don't even know how many grandsons or, or grandkids they have. Uh, and their deepest desire is to be reconciled to their sons. And, and um, you know, their heart just breaks daily that this is an unfulfilled prayer that they've been praying every day for 20, over 20 years. So um, upon learning this story yesterday, I, um, God just laid it on my heart to take it to mighty prayer warriors. And that is you, my friends, that is us. And I know that when we pray together, just strongholds are torn down. Miracles are, are seen and God is glorified as he answers the prayers that we pray for one another. So would you uh, pray for these two sons to be reconciled and that God would open their eyes to truth and that they would love the truth and hate the lies and that they would um, desire in their hearts to be reconciled and not be ashamed. Uh, their initials are uh, D and T. So if you could just pray for them. Thank you so much. Love you. Good morning, DABC. This is God's redeemed daughter, Renee, from Florida. I just want to thank you all so much for prayers. I know I had an emergency prayer, but God is in control, and it, His will was done. My little sister, Diana, D, we called her D a lot, um, entered into eternal rest on December 1st, her birthday. And I can only look at it like a rebirth. God is our only judge. And I just pray that she repented and asked him into her heart. And I'm sure she has. I, I just feel that she has. Absent with the body, present with the Lord. I feel okay. And my niece and my sisters were ready to let her go. After the neurologist said, there is nothing we can do. She had went through throat cancer. And she, like I said, had lived a rough life. But her spiritual life, I've heard from different people. She was always a giver and always uh, helping others, caregiving. And she'd give you the last dollar from her pocket or a coat. If she had it, she'd give it. So I just want to thank you all again and praise God. Lord God, thank you that she's in the arms of you, Jesus. That's the only way I can think of her. And I hear a Harley every now and then, and she just comes to mind. Um, it's been past my window twice, and then I seen a guy at work the other day with one on. I almost bust out in tears of joy, actually, though. I love you all. I thank you all for your prayers, and I thank you for this ministry. I thank God. We're all going to get there one day. We just never know when. Love one another like Jill says. 